Hello! Thank you so much for tuning into the last Try Not To Die episode of 2020! We made it! It's been a terrible year, but we are so thankful we've had this opportunity to share this story and connect with all of you. Before we get started, we just have one announcement. As of right now, this very moment, we have added new subscription tiers to our Patreon. And coming in 2021, there will be a wild magic surge of new content coming your way. And after show, bonus episodes, specials, and more, you can find out all the details about these tiers on our Patreon, patreon.com slash trynottodiepod. Thank you again for listening, and now, let's get on with the story. Hello, and welcome back to Try Not To Die. I'm your DM, your devilish Mima Noah Perito, and I'm here with our lone hero. And I'm Lisa Condemi, a.k.a. Gorgonzola. Who moved my cheese? <laughs> oh my god. Did you just reference, like, a macroeconomic <laughs> books? I feel like I read that in yeah, Macro. a book that teens often, teens often read. And Gorgonzola's a teen and someone moved her shit. You know so. what? That is fully, yep, it's on brand. Uh, for anyone listening, if you would like to check out Who Moved My Shoes, please um, buy it from a local seller if you can. I feel like I recently found out that the Who Moved My Cheese guy is problematic, but I don't know. <laughs> I cannot confirm. Like, you know when you have an inkling in the back of your head that's like, I feel like that person maybe got canceled for something. Yeah, like, like, that was me with, like, Roald Dahl. I was like, oh, I was, yeah, like, brutal. I was like, oh, yeah, like, more, Dr. I feel like there's something wrong. Yeah, it's like, they did a lot of good, but there's something There's they something, did. I can't yeah. Remember. So please remember. look up the Who Moved My Cheese <laughs> author before you buy into his um, huge, you know, conglomerate. Now that we've plugged our favorite novel, let us <laughs> make sure your stuff is secretly hidden in your salami crates. It's time <laughs> for the recap. Last time, we found Zola and the crew of the Feral Free fleeing down the wooden staircases of Drifton, pushing past panicked citizens and sailors to get back to their ship before the Golden Fleet could blockade them within the city walls. Despite several slip-ups, the crew managed to push through the chaos, though Ciceros and Zola were almost left behind, making them the last members of the crew to make it back to the ship. Before they could get back aboard, the massive vessel known as the IAN Requiem had closed the distance and began to round the docks filled with the ships, forcing her and Ciceros to hide, albeit poorly, behind a set of barrels and crates. The Imperial fleet apparently had two missions collect taxes owed from Drift into the Empire, and find the fiendish thieves who stole poor Mr. Boucher's salami. Unfortunately for our hero, her terrible stealth exposed them and the Feral Free, forcing them to make a hasty escape as the Empire began to surround the floating fortress. Inside the ship, Zola checked on her stash in the salami crate, finding that the bag containing the documents and the crown had been taken by someone aboard the ship. Uh-oh. Before she could inquire more, cannon fire was heard above deck as the IAN Sparkler, led by its captain and Der Boucher, pursued them, seeking revenge and the return of the salami they had stolen. The nautical battle that ensued was brutal, starting with Zola taking pot shots at the Sparkler using a ballista and ending with her and Captain Sticks ruthlessly cutting down Imperial goons that kept swarming the ship. Um, I just kept picturing um, the guys from the Pirates of the Caribbean. The what's, British sailors? Yeah, exactly. And what's the guy's um, cap, 
Captain something. I forget the guy who's like in love with Kira Knightley. Yeah, the snooty guy. And uh, yeah, who the snooty guy who wears the white back. wig. Oh yeah, and later he's like a hot pirate. Yeah. But um, that's who I was picturing the whole time. Just saying. So you, know. <laughs> you are a hundred percent correct. That is what he looks like. I don't know if I've said it before. I don't think I have. They are of course. Many of the sailors are wearing like Roman-styled centurion helmets, but uh, I like to think that maybe some of the admirals are wearing puffy white wigs, because that would be very, very fun. So, thanks to some clutch battle tactics from Zola, pro tip, throw your ancestral knife at the captain, and you might disorient the crew a little bit. Um, <laughs> I... It's gone. It's gone forever. You. So, hold on, because you used the word ancestral there, and I feel as though I may, maybe I might have missed out on some context clues. You forgot that when you found it in the ghost ship, that there was a symbol on the hilt of the weapon that was a symbol of the first might like the one on your sword. <laughs> dagger! <laughs> Plus two dagger. The thing about playing a couple... The thing about playing a D&D campaign over a year is sometimes you forget shit. And I listen to my own podcast like a frequent amount. Enough yeah. to be embarrassing, really. But I, I, it. I do forget shit. And it's clear to me now that that was the wrong choice. But you know what? It was cool to... I would have been so sick if I had just like nailed it in his fucking head. Yeah, you if know? you had like crit or something. <laughs> like, hey, it worked. It did the job it needed to do. And if there's something that you all need to learn about D&D, it's you Use your goddamn items. This isn't a video game. You don't need to hoard them. Just use them, okay? If <laughs> Just you give lose me another them, one. There will be more later. Exactly. There'll give be me another one, Noah. Eventually, a plus two dagger, that'll mean nothing to you because you'll be so powerful if you live that long. Anyways, so you managed to disorient the crew enough to let the Feral Free escape into the night, leaving the city of Drifton to its fate at the hands of the Empire. Finally free of conflict, Zola turned to the weary crew of the Feral Free and asked who stole their shit. And thanks to a nat 20 insight check, discovered it was Mascar who had committed the crime. Bitch. (laughs) Bitch. Bitch. Seeing the tension rising, Captain Styx brought the two of them to her quarters to talk things out. And that is where we are right now. She has opened the door and entered, Mascar following after her. Uh, you trailing a little bit behind. Um, I actually, as I go to take a step into her quarters, I think better of it, and I walk back out, and I just start heading directly towards Mascar's room. <laughs> You're just gonna go towards his room down down below. Yeah. Uh, Zola, uh, where are you going? Sorry, are we not going to get my stuff? I think you'll find that your stuff is in here with us. Good to know. Good to know, I, right? I go back in. I go back in. <laughs> Storms downstairs to a completely empty space. <laughs> Where is it? Um. Yes, right. Good. I apologize. I should have clarified. It's in here with, with me. Great. I have your stuff. Oh, right? so you both stole my stuff. Technically he did, but again, we are going to talk about this. Come on in. <laughs> so you follow after, hesitantly, of course, eyes <laughs> narrowed angrily. I'm mad. <laughs> You stand now in Captain Styx's quarters, the darkness of night outside giving a gloomy tone to the already darkly decorated space. Um, Having closed the door behind you, Mascar begins to light a few candles throughout the space, and Captain Styx, sitting at her book and chart-covered desk, gestures to a cushioned seat lining the window that looks out to the starry sky and pitch-black waters of the Mara Imara. So... Beautiful cushion. I'll just stand right here until my things are in my hands, I think. She shrugs. So, I suppose we should get right to it then. 
Ciceros and Mascar saw that you and Scram were sneaking into the salami a little too often, and of course he first thought you guys were just snacking, which not ideal on a ship journey where we have to, you know, ration things out, but was fine. He just wanted to check on things, and when he did, he found and took for me your personal affects. She pulls out one of the drawers of the desk and takes the bag that you had been stowing where the lockbox and the number of documents are, Mm -hmm. placing it on top of the desk. Um, Immediately, you smell salted meat in the air. She looks at Mascar, who turns to you. Being a part of the crew means not keeping anything that could endanger the crew's secret. I did not know what it was, so I brought it to the captain. That's all. I was not trying to steal from you in any intense way, you know, not maliciously. I found the bag. I did not know it was in the bag. I could not open the box inside the bag, so I bring the bag to the captain. You, so you're telling me that I'm the only person on this ship who, who has a powerful item in their possession? Yes, I would say that. Uh, I mean, if, unless you, I suppose, you know, if we're speaking very generally, everyone here is armed, so in a way, everyone has a powerful tool, but... Yes, this is the only thing on board. This and that rock. So where do we go from here? Well, uh, Captain Six kind of sits up a little uncomfortably. When I asked you the other day who you were, it seems like you might have left out a little bit about what you were involved in back in your home. Uh, I do believe that you are a novice adventurer, but this and that crazy rock that you and your little friend were carrying... um, make me feel like it's not really all you are that you've been dealing with something else that you're not telling us okay well first of all the shard is scrams he stole it from a wizard he just told me right literally right before right you did and i believe you i believe that you were being honest when you told me that because you you came in the other day after the fight and right so the shard isn't mine it's mine now but you i mean i don't I don't care. Scram's in it, so I'm, I mean, I'm trying to get him out, but it's not like this is, like, some powerful thing I smuggled onto your ship. Right. This lockbox, I don't even really know what's inside of it. The lord of my town had me steal it from some tunnels underneath the town, and then when I realized that he was a piece of shit and he wanted it, Somehow, for nefarious reasons, whatever it is, I told him that I didn't find it, and I just stowed it in my pack. And, you know, I wasn't trying to be sus by hiding it, but I just, I, I gotta be real, I, I was with a band of pirates. I, I didn't know whether I could trust you guys to not rifle through my bedroom on the first night and just toss me overboard and steal all my stuff. The two of them share a look for a moment. You see... Captain Sticks kind of, like, twists at her rings on her hand. Then they turn back to you. That makes sense that you wouldn't trust us. Again, we definitely, you know, had a little charade at the beginning that we were just merchants. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, I did let that slip the other day when I was a little intoxicated. And by the other day, I mean, looks at an imaginary watch a few hours ago. Right. I... I don't want you to be under the impression that I ever thought that you were merchants. Okay, that's fair. I mean, <laughs> you really seemed really like the most insightful <laughs> young lady, so I didn't, but all right. I live I in a poor town. That. I know what pirates are. <laughs> I, I can accept that. She looks back at the box. Hmm. Well, let me see something. 
Yeah, if you can get it open, you're you're welcome to take a look at it for me. But um, are you going to um, I don't know, let that person know from the grotto who you were talking to about me? Her eyes like immediately shoot over to you. Then she looks back at the box. There's a form of abjuration on this, preventing any of us from opening it. But I've been taking some time to practice something that might be able to help us. In the meantime, you said you recovered this from tunnels under your city. Are you talking about sewers or? Uh, like, um, <clears throat> some people might call it the Underdark. Immediately, there's a flash on both of their faces. Because even you would know that the Underdark is kind of like a no man's land, like a, ba- a very bad place. It's just mm-hmm. completely dangerous. They're filled with obviously unsavory characters mm-hmm. and it is completely separate from the surface world, meaning that there is like no influence that you- they have down there. Listen, they, they kidnapped some people in my town. They were trying to feed kids to these monsters. So that that's why I went. Wait, wait, wait. S- slow down. I, these, these people who took these people you see her eyes look incredibly serious now like the gold irises are burning in the blacks of her eyes what were these people like something's weird here you now you're not being honest with me i mentioned that stranger in the grotto you guys were clearly talking about me and you just said nothing where i'm not giving you any more information until i know that we're on the same page here all right you assume the worst of me um but I suppose, as we said, that's fair, because I am a pirate, and I'm sure that you've heard some tales of me by this point. I assume the worst of most people at this point. Also fair, and wise in this world. I'm not a role model, and I've done what I need to do to survive and thrive in this unforgiving world. And life has fucked me far more times than I fucked it, so I'm not going to stop doing what I want just because it doesn't fit the moral code of those who have lived comfortable lives on land. That being said, I hold the crew's safety above all, and you are a member of this crew, albeit temporarily. The individual I was speaking with is named Trick. They are hard to pin down, um, is a word. They asked me to meet for old time's sake, because we've done some work together in the past, inquiring about some potential lead that they'd been following for a few weeks. And in return, they would give me some information on a high-value wreck off the eastern coast, one that I've been seeking for several years now. Mm. Um, he asked about your little goblin friend. Not about you, actually. Ah. Um, but I told him it was too late, that the goblin was gone, and the object he carried was with him. I didn't lie, nor did I betray you. Scram is no longer here, and the object he carried is, air quotes, with him, is it not? No, yeah, that's that's some, that's some professional semantics there. Hey, I do what I can, because it is literally the only thing that gets me by besides my blades. I think Zola probably just, like, plops down onto the cushion, realizes <laughs> she came in here very indignant with a lot of, with a lot of things prepared. Rightfully now she's so. Like, mm, okay. Rightfully so. I had a feeling that this would happen. <laughs> um, you see... Don't de-escalate my situations, <laughs> Noah. Captain Styx has really high charisma. It is very hard <laughs> to stay mad at her. So she turns her attention back to the box. There are a lot of unsavory characters in this world, and you've dealt with A few of them who, (sighs) well, 
I think you dealt with. Did, did, did they have any symbols of affiliation? Anything that, or were they just like people down below? Because there are groups of people and there are monsters in the Underdark, but was there anything else? They they were drow and okay. they, um, um, no, there was an eye on the castle, right? There was an eye on the castle and on the wrists of the Grimlocks. There was a tattoo oh, of like right. an okay. eye, a one-eyed smiley face as well. Okay, I, then I expressed that to her. There was a one-eyed smiley face kind of out about and around. The two of them, again, share another look. You guys are sharing so many looks. Please, please just let me into the club. Sorry. Uh, she raises her <laughs> finger, and you see, again, the copper wire ring. Just messaging. Just trying to sort some things out before we go into anything. Um, maybe I wasn't clear enough in my tribute to Umberly. This feels kind of like dangerous waters. There are many players in the game of government, Zola. People at every level influencing the way society runs. You know that at this point in your life. You've dealt with enough of the bullshit that this empire doles out. I believe you may have had an interaction with one of the most, if not the most dangerous factions of the government. It was certainly dangerous. Um, it's a well-kept secret, too, so I'm not surprised that, you know, it's not like commonplace that you haven't heard of it. It's not even something that I would say the crew, aside from Mascar, who kind of at this point you notice looks kind of is like looking off kind of absently thinking about something. Honestly, I'm you're lucky that we're the kind of company that wouldn't kill you if you had brought it up because there is some company that would. Um, I myself know very little about them. I've occasionally met some people who do contract work with them. And their general organization is widespread, I know that, but it is a complete mystery to me. I don't know who their leader is, I don't know what the structure is, all I have is a name. What's the name? The Omni Malum. The Omni Malum. Omni, O-M-N-I-M-A-L-U-M. Omni Malum. At this, you see Mascar kind of shifts uncomfortably, um, and his attention turns back to you. I was a sailor for the Formaggi Army and Navy during the war, uh, a member of the First Might. Uh, and one stormy night we encountered a ship from Leoniel, uh, the kingdom prior to the Empire, <laughs> um, bearing the same symbol you described. Uh, many, myself included, believe that whoever this group is, uh, they were involved in the War of the Mare Mara. I do not know to what extent, but if they're such a widespread organization, there are very few things that could go on without their knowledge and without their input. So whatever you were dealing with was worth mentioning, though I can understand why you didn't tell us at first. It makes sense, and again, wise in future situations, but also definitely not good. Yeah. Uh, well, now that you kind of bring up the first might, a lot of things are starting to kind of connect, actually. And I take my sword out from behind my whoa, back. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Please, no, I thought sorry. we settled things. I mean, no, oh, it's fine. We're, I'm not mad anymore. Oh, I had, okay. 
I had a zinger. Can I tell you what the zinger was? I was right. going to I'm not mad anymore. I won't say it, but I was okay. going to say you look and smell like an orc, but you thieve like an imperial soldier. Ooh, that is it's, that is nasty. It's nasty, yeah. Nasty. I, There's a brief flash of anger across his face before he's like, sorry. "All right, I understand." Again, you did not throw any context. It makes total sense. Um, I show him the symbol um on my sword. Um on my mother's sword, and um, I say, I also kind of have been seeing this symbol around hmm. and saw it in the Underdark as well. Um, there were there were orc bodies, right? Right. Were, On your way to the Underdark, you did yeah. see those skeletal orc yeah, there, soldiers. There were orc skeletons, and they, I mean, it, there's just, it's weird, right? That there would be orc skeletons down there, or? Um, well, I mean... Paddlewick is where Formaggi used to be, so it makes sense that there would be, maybe you could find bodies, you could find skeletons. Remains of the war. Um, mm-hmm. As far as I know, the First Might, again, basically just an organization of some of the more stronger, or at least that's how they look at it, species of this area, they probably would have been, you know, carrying out the missions if in the sewers, and so it's possible, but... Oh, okay. Um, that sword, uh, that is a that is a fine sword. That is, hold on one second. He's gonna roll a history check. That looks like the sword of a general. This, this is this is my mother's sword. Your mother? You didn't know your mother, correct? No. Huh. Well, uh. You've seen it before, though. Not in person. This is... Oh, it just looks like the sword of a general. I mean, it looks like the sword of the general. Of, like... This is... Huh. The one general. It looks like the tusk. The tusk? He, like, puts his hand up. You mind if I take a look? You're not gonna steal it, are you? <laughs> it's a, like, six-foot-long sword. If you want to try and get it back from me, there's a lot of... <laughs> There's a lot of moments here where you can do that. Okay, hand it over. Um, he, he takes the sword. It is heavy in his hands, but he holds it easily. Looks it up and down. Huh. You may not have realized this, but you you are affiliated, I think, with powerful folk. I, I knew she was cool. Don't you ever just get that feeling? I mean, she gave you a sword, you know... Oh, she, she just left it, and I just stole it. Oh, so you are actually kind of a lot like us. You find things, and you take them. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, it seems a little... Captain I, Six is I like, all right, this. all right, again, we settled that <laughs> before. It's all fine. Zola. Yes? Hmm. You are, you are shaving up to be quite a character, aren't you? You know, none of this was intentional. I'm just going to say I really was just trying to go to like a tavern and maybe like pick up some like a bounty mission or something and then I met Scram and pretty much everything from there has been downhill and then uphill and then downhill and then uphill and then downhill again. Right. Sometimes when you meet that special person things really take off in yeah. ways you could have never predicted them to. Um and Zola just kind of palms the rock in her palms the shard in her pocket. Yeah. You feel it again, it is Ever since the incident, it has been dimmer and a little bit more relaxed. It seems to be warming a little bit to your touch as mm. you as you kind of like fumble at it in mm-hmm. your pocket. So it feels it warming. It takes her hand away. Oh, I don't oh, know oh, if I'm ready yet. for that. 
Yes. <laughs> I haven't seen the shard do that many good things, really. <laughs> um, you see Mascar um, hands the sword back to you. This belonged to um, a general named Mozzarella. Mozzarella. So, I'm not going to draw any conclusions here for you, but if your mother gave it to you, she either served directly under Mozzarella or kind of gestures, kind of like shrugs. Yeah, I've always been told this is her sword. Sick! I swing it. I do a bunch of poses. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin sticks ducks out as the sword like pings off of one of her uh, antlers. All right, all right. This is a very exciting, very fun. <laughs> I uh, knock over a vase and then catch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, that is priceless. Um, so okay, this is this is a lot of big stuff. Wow. Well, I suppose we should add one more. Um, she places a hand on the lockbox, and you see a a flash of light, and it cracks open. I knew a simple dispel magic would do the trick. I just didn't know dispel magic, so I'm happy I learned it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that seems like a handy spell to have. Yeah, it is definitely something. Something I feel like I'll I'll be needing in the future in general. She opens the box, and inside you see a magnificent crown, mm. a beautiful pure gold band that is just a perfect circle with a small sort of break in the center where where the forehead would be. And there you see an empty spot for what looks like could be some sort of stone. Like you could easily put something in there. Is but it shard shaped? It is not shard shaped. Okay. But even with that guess, you know that, I mean, you've never tried to. If you, if this crystal could be shaped, it could fit in there. Pretty much it just seems to be fitted for something of a kind of, if it were a diamond shaped shard, then it would fit in perfectly. Hmm. Interesting. Yep, hmm. kind of was expecting it to be a crown. Right. Hey, are you any good at ciphers? <laughs> I take out the <laughs> I take out the cipher and hand it to her out of my pocket. Um, I've been working on this like every night since I got on the ship. I mean, I'll take a crack at it. She begins to fiddle with it. That's a nat one. <laughs> it's um, hard, right? It like locks up. Um, you did it wrong. It's either done or I might have broken it. So here you go. Thank you so much. It's back to you. Um, She's not interested in that again. As you take back also the greatsword and slide it back into the sheath, Mm -hmm. you hear the crinkle of paper um, Mm -hmm. from inside there, from the note that you had recovered from those orc skeletons. Right. As it kind of gets pushed down from the blade. Oh, I guess I also, I mean... If we're doing it, we're doing it. Here, I have this, too. And I take out this note. It's been stabbed a million times. <laughs> it's got tons of holes in it. It was already incredibly <laughs> weathered and, like, waterlogged. Mm-hmm. And now there's just, like, a bunch of tears in it. Oh, um, I, okay. Delicately mascara. Yeah, I've got it. it memorized if you, <laughs> if you need help. <laughs> if I can't read it. Um, um, I, I, I can't read it, I would love for you to say it from memory. <laughs> I would love to hear that. So he takes this note and he reads it over in the original Orcish, which mm-hmm. you, of course, as you said, perfectly remember. We'll say it together uh-huh. right now. Yeah. You're not doing it. It's so beautiful. He says it out loud. I love French. 
Ah, uh, yes. Orkish is absolutely very beautiful. Very, the guttural sounds really uh, yes. make it. Very emotional language. He reads it back this time in common. We have been misled. Gold has played both sides. I watching. Call off the attack. Give me a insight or history mm. check. This was on the two, um, this was on the orc bodies that I found in, in the Underdark. You said insider what? Or history. Um, ten. Uh, with a ten, um, you kn- you know that Orcish is obviously a different kind of language. Um, the way like the semantics work, it's much more direct, meaning forward, common. That's why it's not like a very flowing sentence. Mm-hmm. Though in Orcish, it would sound very nice. It is difficult to kind of gain any more insight from it. But besides eye watching, eye watching, and then also call off the attack, which like clearly these soldiers were trying to do something, trying to get this message to someone, and it was not received. Yeah, Mascar hands it back to you. The eye is troubling, and kind of confirms my theory about uh, their knowledge of the war, but. Seems kind of like an emergency transmission between yeah, like a battalions. Hmm. Yeah, a telegram. Oh, nothing. Um, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I can obviously um, confirm that you know these um, these people. Um, I believe that this particular location, their their leader was named Brazala. Is that name anything to you? Mm, nothing to me. You, Captain Sticks, shakes her head. Nope. Again, mostly in terms of knowledge of them, just that they're widespread and their name. So. Well, they were certainly in contact with um, the uh, lord of my town. Hmm. And um, uh, there was something about um, dwarves, too. Balderheim? There was a, a crown was intercepted. He was pretending like he didn't steal it from... I don't know, someone with a like a growly voice. Yeah, kind of. From Balderheim, he stole it. Uh, they both look at the crown. Um, I don't sense any sort of magic to it, but I am in no way knowledgeable in that. Captain? Uh, <laughs> Captain Six <laughs> looks it over. Um, it's going to make a little arcana check. That's a 19. Hmm. I'm not sure of the exact function of the crown, but obviously based on the inlet where you can see a gem could be put, um, it's either just a really nice crown or it has another use. I suspect the latter, that there's something else going on here. Yeah. Now that I'm kind of thinking about all of this, it does actually seem pretty serious. This is just kind of like a lark that Scram and I had. It was, oh, you guys would have laughed. There was... Yeah. Two, two guards. They were loud. I don't know. You had to be there. You honestly, you should run some sort of like podcast where you retell this. Tell the you stories. know, where you like use a sending spell and essentially right. yeah. just tell this just, to people in their yeah, minds. Yeah, send it out to everyone. Okay. This is a good story. I would definitely listen to yeah, it. Yeah, maybe I'll make like a Substack or something. Right, right. Well, again, apologies for taking from you. It was out of concern for the ship. Yeah, apologies for smuggling extremely powerful politically relevant artifact onto your merchant ship 
Wink, wink, wink. Thank you for acknowledging that. And it is obviously totally okay. I understand. And I also understand that you, the shard is not something you control. Obviously, it was Scrim's. Now it's yours. So I guess all I can ask is just be, be very, very careful. We've only seen it go off just like once or something like that with that haste spell, but he was exhausted afterwards. And yeah. uh, I'm honestly yeah. scared to touch it. I, I, I wish I didn't have it, but I'm scared to get rid of it too because just in case, I don't know, I could get scram out or something. Mm. I Sometimes if I hold it up to my ear, I can hear... Some gr- some groaning? Just is... some like like guttural moaning. Wow. <laughs> Just late at night. <laughs> you do hear us like, like oh, coming from it. That's why I think he's still in there. It's very, very uncomfortable. I can't imagine falling asleep with that in my bedroom. It's kind it's of like a meditation. And, yeah, like like ocean sounds. It's which, like by the way, we are beats. at oceans. Yes, it's okay, sure. A little little lo-fi to get you get you to soothe down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right, right. But yeah, no, I wish I didn't have this thing. It feels like, also, I know for sure that he stole it. <laughs> Your friend Trick isn't a wizard, is he? Uh, no. Oh, he's, okay. he's just, he's just a criminal. He's just, he's very talented, I'll tell you that. He, his work with disguises is uncanny. He's, hmm. yeah, he's very, very good, but. Was he disguised when I saw him? Uh, yes. That's uh, just one of many faces I've seen him wear. Interesting. Mm. That could be kind of hot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she blushes a little bit. Ah, <laughs> uh, this is uncomfortable. I am going to go to bed. It's been a very long day. All right. Uh, <laughs> Don't steal anything from anyone. Uh, On the way. Not funny. I will go now. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> he leaves, leaving out the door, um, closing it behind him. Uh, Captain Styx looks at the crown in the lockbox, closes the lockbox. Hmm. I'm very conflicted here because there is a deep part of me that's like, take all of this and sell it for an insane amount of gold. No, but, we but, can't sell it. But <laughs> I acknowledge that one is your property and two, I don't know enough about it to sell it. I could get in a lot of trouble if the wrong people saw me selling it and then... Or I'd get scammed. It's, yeah. yeah, it's more trouble than more than trouble it's than it's worth. But that being said, you are responsible for these now, and you do need to keep an eye out on them. And I honestly, I wouldn't show the rest of the crew, mm-hmm. no matter who you trust. I think that at, at least what's ever in this lockbox is. I mean, the first of all, they didn't know about it before, so they don't need to know about it right now. Right. And second of all, there's not a lot that they can help you with. If They're anyone asks, Moscar stole a bag of jerky from me. <laughs> Okay, yes, that's what, it'll be dried meat, salt pork, your favorite, yeah, is what we'll say. Yeah, I was really hungry and grumpy after the battle, Who so. stole my food? That'll be your new catchphrase, <laughs> Who I guess. moved my cheese? Who <laughs> moved my cheese is one way to put it, for sure. <laughs> All right, well, um, I, again, sorry, thank you for being so understanding. Um, yeah, and thanks for, you know. We just had a battle, so thanks for everything you did to make sure I didn't die, too. Of course. It is my job as captain. And uh, apologies for the lore dump. I know that was probably a lot <laughs> to take on, and I don't know how much no, you're going to retain good. before I've had bed. A, I feel like I've had a lot of questions for a long time, and now I have a couple more answers. And also, now it is near confirmed that my mom is super fucking cool. Oh, I should have asked Moscar if she's 
alive. Well, I mean... I'll, I'll ask him tomorrow. Probably more time for that. And also, to be fair, he may not know. He was yeah, Army, he, then Navy, so he yeah, might have had to see... Yeah, he might, he might not know. Okay, but, I got a lot to think about. Right. Well, again, I hope you sleep well, and great work today. You too, Captain. Night. Um, Zola walks... Um, um, she thinks about walking towards her room, but then she just um, kind of slowly walks towards Moscar's room and does a little. So you head, you're heading below deck. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You exit the cabin, um, walk onto the main deck where you see like you know, Cicero's is manning the helm now, um, and you see that like Liar is like lounging up in the crow's nest, and you head below deck where you see the door to Mascar's room is still a little ajar with a little glow mm-hmm. of a candlelight in there. Yeah, I just do a little a little tap-tap on the door. Mm-hmm. Hey! Who is it? It's Zola. What's up? How you doing? Hi. Okay. <laughs> um, just one more thing. Um, kind of so many, so much new information bouncing around my head. But um, that, um, that um, mozzarella, um, you know if she's um, alive? Uh... Well, honestly, no, but... No, you don't know. No, no, I don't know, but okay. honestly as well, it's... I, I don't get your hopes up. There was a lot of people lost when Formaggi was raised, mm-hmm. so I I don't know. I wasn't there, unfortunately, I, but also fortunately, because I'd probably be dead. But anyways, uh, sorry, I don't know. That's okay. You know what? I bet. I bet, bet she's alive. For sure. Bet. I'm I'm sure. Pats you on the shoulder. <laughs> totally. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Y- yeah, all right. Okay. Yeah, all right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> You're really good at this. <laughs> you head off. Uh, are you heading to bed? Or are you? is there anything else you want to do before nighttime? Um, before night Probably sets? just going to go up. Um, and since um, this, like, um, in between, like, dusk is the only like real like crossover time I have with Cicero's where I can still like maintain a normal um you know sleep schedule I mm-hmm. just want to go out there and check on on her hey you were super drunk before did you sleep it off a little uh oh oh hello hi um she's standing underneath the very rickety looking <laughs> awning you had built that had been rebuilt while yeah, you were rebuilt away. after it fell <laughs> um um yeah, I am all good. I was super drunk earlier, but I'm definitely fine now. Okay. Yes. Uh, good. I'm glad. Um, h- how are you? How have you been? Great. <laughs> I'm, great. I'm great. We fought, we fought all those guys. We're not dead, so I'm great. Great. Um. Yeah. Well, I can't believe about your your friend. I can't believe he's gone. Scram. Oh. Yeah. Ah, oh, it feels so, uh, feels so weird. It doesn't really feel real yet because so much of the last, like, day or so has been really crazy. We've had so many battles. Right. All those battles. Right. Uh, um, he was quite a character. I, sorry I didn't get to, you know, see him more often. Yeah. He was a character. He is. He's just in this gem. Oh. <laughs> I, I shake the gem super hard. You, you shake the gem. <laughs> you see her eyes widen looking at it. Oh. Um, wow. That is 
pretty crazy. So he's he's stuck in there for he's sure. He's in there, yeah. Wow. Um, I hope that it didn't just make him nauseous. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably not. It's if it's like an interdimensional space, he's probably in like a whole world. Oh, you're so smart. Yes, I have learned many things on the sea. What can I say? Um, well, good to talk to you. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, she, I just want to check on you. She actually gets up on her tippy toes um, and kisses you gently on the cheek. Then turns back to the wheel. Good night. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Complete demeanor change. Good night. Um, <laughs> Zola um, walks in a daze back to her bunk. Slightly dazed, still in kind of again like like looking up at you and looking up back at Susaro's kind of like what the fuck? Oh yeah, I forgot to do anything with Stilton, but Stilton was um hiss- hissing at my scar when I was mad and <laughs> fully back back yeah, arched, yeah. all the hair stood up. Um, you guys head down below deck mm-hmm. um, and head into your quarters. You again look at. The top bunk where, you know, Scram would normally be, and it's still a little disheveled from the last time he had slept in there. I climb up there. Oh. And it's, I'm too big. <laughs> it's so close to the ceiling. You really have to crawl your way in. This and you is have uncomfortable. Like a little less than a foot between your head and the ceiling. So still, and like, gets up, climbs on, and um, curls up on your chest. Um, still his little grumpy cat pied form. I take the shard out of my pocket and I think I just tell Scram about everything that's happened in the last day. And there was this crazy city and you would have loved it. And there was, I bet they had so many drugs there that you could have acquired maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, there, and Cicero's has been like f- hardcore flirting with me. That's pretty much it. I hope you can hear me. Okay, good night. <laughs> <laughs> um you you begin to drift off um and as you begin to fall asleep you hear just a little little voice in your head we have much work to do ah. and you fall asleep <laughs> give me a d20 roll oh, 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 okay eight eight you awaken the next morning um, to the sun coming through one of the portholes in your room. Uh, you see the shard is fully awake now, actually, mm. this morning. You feel it. It's kind of still buzzing. Mm-hmm. Um, it is fully lit. It seems to have that same kind of um, churning motion it is back to. But so far, nothing seems different. You vaguely remember that voice falling asleep. That was really mm-hmm. weird. But That was weird. There was no like weird dream. I hear there a lot was... of voices. I wonder if I should see a psychiatrist. I wonder if I'm, I'm having a mental illness. Maybe I should have a some kind of evaluation. <laughs> it's hard, you know, it's really hard in fantasy worlds to know if you need an evaluation or just a wizard. Yeah, sometimes in just like our real world, sometimes you need a therapist, other times you need a powerful archmage yes. who can be like, oh, you just are possessed. It's hard I, to know. It's very hard to know. Um, you, It was a dreamless sleep, and you smell and hear um, breakfast being served above deck. Stillin is already up, kneading on your chest, just purring deeply, kind of a snorty purr because of his little scrunched up um, <laughs> grumpy face. Oh, Stillin is the only cat in the world that doesn't wake up his owner. I have to wake him up. <laughs> <He> just like, <laughs> um, <laughs> I have to push him around. <laughs> you push him around a little bit. Um, you head above deck, I imagine? 
Yeah, yeah. All right, you head above deck and see that I it do is... my calisthenics. And do I'm some... like, I feel really buff today. Yes, yeah, almost feel like stretches. I level like up. Level up. Or some sort of metaphorical <laughs> leveled up. Um, you begin to head up above deck. Um, you see it's partially cloudy out, some patches of blue here and there, but many puffy gray clouds occasionally obscuring the sun. Mr. McGreeby mans the helm, his eye on the horizon, and Nella and Zarum are hard at work building what looks to be some sort of pulley system. They're almost finished. It's got like a wooden platform with a strong crane-like device with a thick rope and hook attached to it. Mm. Um, you see the large crate that you had noticed below deck when you ran down the other night mm -hmm. to check on your stuff mm -hmm. um, is out. It is not yet open, but it is right on that platform. Hmm. Um, you also see the Muscatinis are like up in the rigging, like chatting and eating their breakfast. Uh, Lyre um, is up there with them eating and Quince is swabbing the poop deck as Flambe walks over and hands you a bowl of some sweet smelling porridge. Thank you. Uh, I've never eaten so much porridge, but I'm really starting to take to it. You're probably um, very regular. Wow. Yeah. Anyways, eat that before it gets too cold. <laughs> Thanks. They're really familiar on this crew. <laughs> uh, heads back into the cabin. Talk to Flambe like a full two times. <laughs> I'd like to think we've had some nice conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime that you guys aren't doing anything, which is so rare. If you're doing your chores, I'll assume that there's occasionally yeah, some banter. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> Nella and Zaroom are often usually doing things that aren't near you. So occasionally you do get to chat with them. Mm -hmm. And when you have meals together, you all often speak mm -hmm. and hang out. I'm not role-playing all those conversations you all have to imagine just like in a regular TV show. Okay. <laughs> um, so how would you like to proceed this morning? It's probably about like 9 o'clock. Yeah, I walk over to Nella and Zaroom and say, hey, you guys need a hand? What is all this? Oh, hey, Zola. Um, this is, um, we're making a crane for this baby. He needs, he like the car dealership meme. He's, this baby right here, he slaps the side <laughs> of it. Uh, Nella turns to you. I... I think that there's another detour ahead of us. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the last one went really well. Right. Um, well, yeah, we're actually okay here. We're almost finished setting up. Um, but Captain Stick said we're meeting at noon. So if you want to just any sort of activities you need to get done in the morning. Um, okay. Yeah, just meet, be on the main deck by high noon. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for offering. Yeah, yeah. Okay, bye. <laughs> but oh, by the way, um, that joke you told me the other night when we were hanging out in a conversation off screen, that was so funny. You yeah. So funny. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent friendship we have formed. Yes. Anyways. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I look for Quince. Uh, yeah, he's just swabbing the poop deck. He's just uh, swabbing away. How you feeling, bud? You were oh. a monster in that fight yesterday. Oh, yes, I am quite the Don Juan I in combat. I smack him on the shoulders really oh, fuck. He takes 10 damage and dies. <laughs> no, but you are very strong, so he does go, Ooh, and kind of like stumbles a little bit, oh, almost sorry. dropping Did the room. Sorry, pick him up. <laughs> oh, uh, thank you, Zola. Uh, yeah, I was killing it in that fight the other day. That was killer. Great job, me. A little self high five. Wow, Quince. I was really into Quince at first, and now I'm like, this guy isn't self aware at all. <laughs> Super not self aware. He thinks he's a young man, and he clearly is an older half elf. <laughs> I'm so confused about this age. <laughs>
Again, upwards, he said he was, like, in his 30s, but he looks clearly older than that. Perhaps near midlife. Okay, okay. It's, like, 500. Yeah, like, like, he's a half-elf, so he's not... (laughs) He's not, like, ancient. He's just, like... maybe he was, like, a thousand. No, 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 no. He is fully a just middle-aged, like, man, basically. Oh, I'm even more confused now about you, Quince. All right, well... uh, Why? No, nothing. Um, is there anything, like, to do? I don't know. I finished my porridge, and Zoom and Nella don't want my help. Do you have any tasks? Do you have any personal things that you're trying to better? Like, are you trying to better yourself in any way? Can well, I, I I mean, I'm operating in a hundo P pretty much constantly, but if you want to help me uh, clean, uh, swab the deck before noon, that would be incredibly helpful. I keep on forgetting where I've done and doing the same spot over again. <laughs> it sounds like... You probably, you probably got it then, right? Ah, you mean the whole deck? No, I'm asking if you want to do it for me. No. Oh, well, okay. You asked if I had anything I need done. That's pretty much it, baby. That's it. No, I mean for yourself. Like, oh, Quince, do you have any personal goals? Um, you see, he looks off towards (laughs) the sea. Well, Zola, if I'm being frank here, I'm Mm -hmm. kind of. I thought your name was Quince. No, wait. Uh, that really got me. That was very good. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, listen, I, I just tried to get by. I before this, you know, bad job wasn't not a good place for me. And then you know, I kind of uh, shipwreck. Uh, you know, see. And, and now I'm here, so I'm pretty much just trying to oh survive and not piss off the people who saved me. Because uh, if oh. I'm being fully honest with you. I don't know how much they like me. I know I said they're all my best friends, but sometimes I doubt it. Maybe, have you thought about maybe they, um, it would be easier to get, like, tight with some of the crew? Maybe if you, like, worked on your, um, I mean, you're amazing with the crossbow. We've seen it. But maybe you mm. could work on, like, um, some some battle skills. And then, you know, it's like if you have a value and you present that, like, that material that value to a friend group it's like i have to bring something to the table is what you're saying yeah yeah Hmm. why don't we spar a little you know i figured i'm pretty busy with this poop deck thing and your sword is absolutely (laughs) massive no i won't use the sword i'll let's use like you use your mop and i'll use like a piece of driftwood uh okay come on quince okay <laughs> come on, quince. he raises let's, his mop he sees the room and nella stop what they're doing uh this i gotta see <laughs> all right i need you to roll initiative <laughs> i'm pvping with quince. excellent a-, a high six i got an 11 an 11 you act first all right, uh, I guess looks around at everyone, Muscatinis and Lyre, and everyone just gathering and watching from where they are. I uh, give me your best shot. Don't kill me. All right. Um, I for my first action, I take um the dodge action, and I'm kind of like weaving back and forth, like oh. doing like boxer weaving. Give me your give me your best shot, Quince. All right, here I go. That's a two. He sw- he fully like swings and spins around, carried by the momentum of his right, haymaker. Plant your feet! Plant your feet! Oh, okay, uh, it's the sea. It's uh, threw me off balance. Um, it is now your turn again. <laughs> I take the dodge action again. Oh. I'm just trying to see if he can land it. Slippery. That is a sixteen. With disadvantage. 
Oh, I'm right. taking the dodge action. That is a 10. <laughs> <laughs> Swings. You see he slips a little on where he had recently mopped and falls on his butt, falling prone, so he has to use half his movement next turn. I, I, I jump on him and I try to grapple him. Okay, let's do an opposed athletic check. <laughs> Twenty-three. So nine. You pin him with ease. You are in a second on top of him, and he like slams his head against the ground. His eyes are spinning in his skull. Oh boy, that was not. I yield. I yield. I think that's enough practice for today. I, I pull him up. You did good though. You almost hit me the second time. Wow. Oh, uh, thank you. That was. Yeah, we'll keep working on it every day. Really not humiliating. <laughs> Everyone around is just polite, like golf clapping. <laughs> Really good job. Really good job. We're working on Quince's Thanks, reflexes. Really, really useful. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, yep, I'm going to get back to work, but this was a fun little Yeah, we're going to get back to work, you <laughs> layabouts. <laughs> they all begin... Um, Shooing everyone away. Heading Stil- back to Stillness work. chasing people. <laughs> <laughs> um, you kind of settle into the day now that mm-hmm. you've kicked Quince's ass. But I tried really hard not to. Do you see? And then he had to fall prone, and then I was like, like, well, now I have to like a dog. Zola sees stone on the ground, like when, like when a dog owner lays on the ground, and the dog goes absolutely freaks out. Yeah, they're like, you're on my level now. now. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, Yeah, you you dust yourself off a little bit, wipe off some of the mop juice. Yeah, Uh, I guess I do my chores. uh, Yeah, and you go about. You take one more inventory now that you guys are back. You look around, you make a few repairs because obviously there was some damage done to the ship. Oh, you know what? I think I go down and I probably um, help Flambe a little because I feel bad that I ate too much of the salami, even oh. though Scram and Silton ate most <laughs> of it. Also did eat a lot of it, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you head into the kitchen and Flambe's like, oh, um, sure, you can help. If you want to you wanna cut these vegetables for me, Scram was so good at it. I bet you'll do great. Yeah, sure. Awesome. She hands you a big knife, and you begin cutting the vegetables for I the day. I think maybe stew. I tell her a little bit about like, oh, we we make this flatbread. It's like actually would be good for sea because you don't need oh, any yeah? like yeast or anything. Like mm. it's just flour and water. So wow. you just boil uh, you know potable water and then huh. seasonings if you want. Anything else? It's just like a flatbread. Oh yeah, put put it in the oven. I mean, if you wanted to put like you could put like sauce or I have some cheese, for sauce or cheese huh. on it. Yeah, maybe tonight we'll... What do you call this? Just a flatbread? Um, yeah, I don't think it has a name. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. And if you told me anything, I'd believe it. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, you I'll guys... I'll think of a good name for it. I think this might be an invention of mine and my father's. It's I... just, it's kind of like, it's cheap, you know? So yeah, you just, just something you could throw together. Yeah, like Friday night, Saturday yeah. night. Oh, yeah, that sounds delightful on a Friday mm-hmm, night. Yeah. Uh, so you guys do some work fixing up lunch, um, and around noon you do hear Captain Sticks, main deck everyone. You head out of the cook's quarters and back onto the main deck where you see the sun is shining high above you in the slightly cloudy sky. By the way, it's been about like you have about two to three days left in this journey. I okay, guess. it's like day seven ish. Um, I have a count somewhere. Yeah. If you guys know, get in the comments and roast me. Write a review. Give us five stars. But say the DM couldn't figure out how many Minus days. Minus one have for math. You know, if you've gotten this far into this podcast and you don't know that we're bad at math, I don't know what to say to you. I will apologize, but I will also say 
look, I'm doing my best. Please forgive look, me. Look, we're gay and we're doing our <laughs> we're best. Gay we're gay, doing we're trans, best. we're doing our best. We're doing our best. It is the seventh day of travel. Um, <laughs> so Captain Six like, calls this meeting. And you see that pretty much everyone, including Ciceros, who's wearing like a hood up, her parasol out, just like... She looks like a mysterious figure at like a, a funeral. <laughs> standing behind a tree a hundred <laughs> feet away from the tombstone, you see Ciceros. Um, so you see, like, she's kind of like hiding under the parasol that you gave her. You see Captain Styx is now standing atop of that huge crate that was below deck. Mm. Um, she's got a crowbar in hand and a huge smile on her face as she looks down at you. So... I've gathered you all here today because we have finally arrived at our destination. Sorry, what? <laughs> How? <laughs> you see everyone else also looks incredibly confused, except for uh, Mascar and Mr. McGreevy, who just give a knowing look to each other. Captain Sticks points over to the port side of the ship right off into the water. A few hundred feet below us is a little treasure I've been seeking for quite some time. On this spot a few years back, a merchant ship, the coffer, was sunk by uh, me a while back, and I didn't really get a chance to raid it because we were under fire from the Imperial Aurelian Navy. Finally, I managed to track her down thanks to a little tidbit I got back in Driften, um, and with this map of the undersea topography, I was able to see that the wreck actually sits upon a plateau not far below us. It's a rise in the ocean floor. You see everyone else nods. Oh, mm, the plateau. plateau. Okay, okay. Right. I forgot not many of you had finished your schooling before you became <laughs> sailors. Um, it's an important geological feature. Anyways, so... Mr. McGreevy's very well read. Mm, yes, of course. I know exactly about plateaus. I know pretty much every sort of stone type of formation in this world, this crazy world. Zola says out loud, I know plateaus. <laughs> you feeling the, the Ambledore <laughs> almanac that is stored in your head. You think about the geographic tra- chapters you read. Right. Well, so in order to get there, we are going to take this. Um, and she kicks the front of the crate and you see it cracks open from where she had already used her crowbar Mm -hmm. um, and it opens up all four sides just (laughs) falling open (laughs) Bugs Bunny style Bugs Bunny style and she like hops off and inside you see a massive bronze diving bell (gasps) as it comes out from underneath the box you see all the crews like I'm sorry I don't know what a diving bell is (laughs) a diving bell is a for all you guys who don't know for all of you who have not um, read your Ambledorth almanac today a diving bell is an old-timey device used for people to dive into the ocean at great depths the way it works is it is basically a giant bell where there are some like benches inside of it where the divers would sit um and it would be raised and lowered into the ocean allowing for an air pocket to form within the bell that is so scary yeah it's imagine how terrifying that would be absolutely no no um also just want to say that i have watched all um 47 meters down all all the movies and i'm i'm nervous this is gonna be a great episode i have a feeling (laughs) um yeah so you see this bell now um captain sticks walks over to the crane and grabs the rope attached to this hook and hooks it into the top of the bell we will be taking or i guess whoever wants to volunteer um and you like take a look around you see that everyone has already taken a big step back um no, oh, no now we're term, taking steps back um have like made their way around and are kind of making their way up besides captain sticks and like working with the rope and like fiddling it trying to seem busy <laughs> 
Perfect. It looks like it's going to be you, Zola. I figured what? as much. Am I and even going to fit? Quince. You see Quince who is yeah, Quince wants to come. Oh, what? What are we doing? What? No. Wait. No. Please. Absolutely not. I ask you. I beg of you. Um, <laughs> Kevin Stick smiles and winks at him. Don't worry. We have a little backup. You're not going to have to be going back to the bell every single like 30 seconds to get some air. She pulls out of this little satchel this potion that is green and kind of viscous with a little jellyfish kind of floating Mm. within it. One of these delicious brews, and you'll find water as easy to breathe as air. I have three, one for each of us. Um, And Mascar and Mr. McGreeby will be watching over the ship while we head down to the plateau below to retrieve what was lost. How long do the potions last? One hour. Oh. Since you've all been so kind enough to volunteer to stay on the ship and take care of it, and <laughs> the Muscatinis are like, yes, yes, <laughs> it is our pleasure to uh, stay here and uh, make sure that everything is safe and in order. <laughs> I should shake a fist at the Muscatinis. <laughs> An they, old-timey fist. They, like, little kids, like, they're like, or, like, you know, like, the anime thing where they, like, pull down their uh, eye and stick it to, they're like, ah. The evil eye. <laughs> the evil eye, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, that's a, that is a. Italian curse, and we hey. take that very seriously. It's called Malocchio. Oh Noah, for your, for your information. This has to go on my records. That strikes a chord with Gorgonzola, who <laughs> in her in the region of Padawick knows that that is a very dangerous gesture. Gorgonzola <laughs> draws her sword. Well, hey! hey, hey uh, we didn't mean anything. It was just uh, something we do over in Meadowmead. Oh, it's maybe a different cultural thing. You basically oh. just like... I don't know, mooned me or something. Oh my god, I put am, a curse on I my family. Oh, so sorry. Well, this is already awkward enough. I'm gonna go do something else. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he scampers up um, where Dart and Sothi follow after Arami. Captain Six turns to you. You have an hour before we leave. I'm gonna get a few things in order for my cabin. So if there's anything you need to do before we go, do it. And then we will hop in the bell and go for a little undersea adventure. Okay. Um, Zola, where uh, Ciceros can see, um, like, un- unhooks the strap to her armor in the back and lets the armor fall off. And I've just got, like, I've got my, like, light kind of, like, airy pants underneath and then, like, a little, like, um, muscle tank on. <laughs> you, like, flex I'm just, like, bit. casually, like. Uh, Ciceros looks over, um, smiles, a small smile. Um, and Captain Six goes, you, you shouldn't take off your armor if we're going on. I mean, oh. I know that it makes sense that you would. I just thought, figured I wouldn't swim it is, in armor. It's but... totally, but the, the water breathing potion will make it so that you don't have to worry too much about drowning. It, and you're a strong individual. I bet that you can swim with the armor on. I just worry if anything were to happen down there, you would be dramatically revealing a lot of your uh, form for attack. Does that okay. make sense? That does make sense. I'm not, I promise I'm not going to leave (laughs) you down there. I slowly put my armor back on. (laughs) I look at Cicero's, what the captain says. She gives a flirty little eye roll. Um, (laughs) I am going to head back below deck because my face feels like it's burning. Oh, yeah, go. It's great to see. Please, bye. She heads below deck. Sleep tight. (laughs) (laughs) You can't see it, but she blushes. Um, So she heads below deck. As you're kind of standing there, like, thinking, what could I be doing in an hour? You hear, meow, and a little pawing at your leg. Points at the ocean and points at uh, himself, still in looking up at you expectantly. Hmm. You don't like to swim, do you? Okay. Maybe, um, 
Yeah, do you maybe want to try some try something else? Meow. Okay. Meow. <laughs> um, I, I'm going Meow. to um Do I have to cast Find Familiar to change shape? Right? No, I'm I think it makes sense to do it as like a ritual basically. So it'll take okay. the full hour, but okay, you cool. won't have to like use a spell slot Thank for you. it. If it's wrong, Dungeon get in the comments. Um, <laughs> so you sit down, you draw the circle in chalk, you take out some incense and you begin to light it. Um, a few of the other crew members kind of cast a weird look, but then remember that you have done this before. And after an hour of studying your little spell book and kind of tracing the, the arcane symbols within the circle, you see Silton steps into it and... And suddenly his arms split and turn into little tentacles as he turns into a little pied octopus. So cute. (laughs) It's like these little sucker noises as it pulls up and down. Oh, you're creepy. (laughs) This is like very odd sounding. Oh, my. What is that? What happened to Stilton? Stilton. He's going to come with. All right, good to know that he could do that. I for, I did not know that the Find Familiar spell allowed you to do that, so I was a little yeah, scared octopus, for a moment. Yeah, on the list. <laughs> Excellent, all right. I uh, stick him on the side of the ship. Just looks at him there. You see he Go slow- find some barnacles. He slowly crawls down towards the white cap <laughs> waves that are splashing against the hull of the ship. Um, Captain Styx um, <laughs> approaches the crane. Um, this game is stupid. This game is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and nods to Zaroom and Maskar, who hustle over and begin to set up the crane a little bit more, like get it into position. Maskar grabs the the sort of winch and begins to wind it, yeah. raising the I bell. test the veracity of the rope again. I've seen 47 meters down. <laughs> I, I check the rope. I check the winch. You check the winch. The, the winch was the problem in the first movie. No. <laughs> Give me an investigation check. Okay. It's been sabotaged. Okay. <laughs> They're trying to kill the captain and you and Quinn. Um, do highly recommend 47 Meters Down and the sequel 47 Meters Down on Cage, which stars Sylvester Stallone's daughter. She, oh. She does a great job. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, it's a nat one. A nat one. You, in all of your incredible sort of... Uh, you don't know what the hell this is. Hmm. You barely know what it, like how it works, let alone know whether or not it's broken. It seems fine. You trust, so long as you trust that Zaroom and Nella are competent enough to build this thing. You and Zaroom did help you build that one mm-hmm, little archway. Mm-hmm. So Zaroom, like Nella, okay. listen, I trust you guys with my life. But if I die down there, I'll absolutely come back as a sea ghost and haunt the ship. Okay. Wow, uh, duly noted. Um, <laughs> they exchange a nervous <laughs> glance. I think. I think it's. I'm. Stilton will come back and avenge my death. Yeah. Just, uh, curious. Are you just saying in general if you die down there, or if um, the the crane? Breaks? Oh yeah, I guess if the winch breaks. Okay. If yeah. someone else kills me, if you just me, get killed. Well, I'll definitely come back and haunt Captain Sticks. That's fair, I think. I think all of us will haunt Captain Sticks if we die under her command. And Stilton will haunt the storeroom. For sure. He'll probably take the rest of the salami that's there. (laughs) Um, So you um, inspect it. It looks fine. Um, The bell is slowly raised into the air. And you watch as Captain Sticks heads under it, puts a hand up on one of the benches and winks at you and pulls herself up inside of it taking a seat you see her little her little <laughs> boots dangling. like dangling out of the bottom of it um she puts a hand out come on quince quince 
I give Quinza a hoist. <laughs> Can you give me a boost? Thanks. <laughs> uh, you I get down on boost. one knee. Let <laughs> him step on my knee. Making it almost impossible for him not to be able to get up, but he does still <laughs> struggle with his arms like a little kid trying to pull himself up. Oh um, he does eventually get up into one of the sort of wooden seats that is built into the inside of this bronze bell. And then finally, she offers a hand to you, and you, of course... Mm-hmm. Take it and slowly make your way up. It is obviously a little cramped. It's a tight fit. It's a tight fit. Quince, you can sit on my lap. I think it's fine. I'll just cram here. It's I don't I feel like if I'm on your lap I might hit my head. It's very <laughs> ceiling is really low in here. Yeah, they don't really make it's more of like a one size fit all for giant yeah. bronze bells. They don't really have a lot of molds. So apologies, Quince, that it's not massive and like a sweet for you. No, honestly, Quince, you're right. They they don't make they don't make things for for gals my size, and it's it's fucked up. It's they, it's an institutional issue yeah, for sure. In diving sizing, bells, yeah, are, the sizing of diving bells. There's no standardization. Yeah. <laughs> there's no respect for the average body type. They carry type. like one size. This is some hard hitting commentary. I will take it up with the manufacturer next time I see them. <laughs> um, you hear a call from the deck. Are you ready? So you have a diving bell, but not a lifeboat as we're plunging. As you're slowly, I told you, I had to make, I cut costs. There's a lot of things. Um, you see Captain Six pulls the potion out of her pocket as the, the bell is slowly raised and put slowly um, brought out over the waves and the blue waters below you. Um, ah, Quince, st- we're going to get dropped. Please, please, please. Eyes closed, just gripping the bench, white knuckled. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my I'm God, oh my God. I'm teasing Quince like a kid on a roller coaster. <laughs> Nudging him. <laughs> Put your hands up. No, don't touch Put me. Put your hands no, up. Just don't touch it's me. It's funner with your hands up. I'm not opening my eyes. Um, <laughs> Captain Sticks pulls out of the bag that she carries, which by the way, it, she pulls out one potion, she pulls out another potion, she pulls out a third potion. It's very, it's, this bag can hold a lot. Big bag. Um, you, she hands hands each of you one of these green potions with the jellyfish in it and raises it cheers and takes it as a shot and just chugs the whole thing yeah how terrible does it taste noah (sighs) you take a sip of this it tastes like you're just sipping from a pickle jar and then there's an unpleasant Mm. gelatinous feeling as you slurp down (laughs) a whole jellyfish as as someone who who willingly drinks pickle juice pretty often i was like okay but, but also a jello cube in it would not be fun. But nasty. Yeah, there's certain savory things <laughs> that should not that be turned into jello. That shouldn't be gelatinized. <laughs> so you guys At all the 70s. It. Oh, as think, a decade. I don't know if I can keep it down. Captain Six is like, you will drown if you don't. So please keep your mouth shut until you digest it, all right? And he's like, mm, just nodding, <laughs> eyes closed still. Slowly but surely, the bell begins to lower closer and closer to the surface of the blue water until it finally meets and the bell begins to submerge, creating this little air pocket inside of it. The water rises to meet your legs but stops as the suction blocks it, allowing you to slowly sink deeper without losing any of the oxygen inside. Thankfully, you also drank the potion, so even if it failed for some reason, you would also be able to breathe. It's crazy that um, this could just... Uh, something could go wrong and this could just fill with water and Saru Manella would never know, huh? Yeah, huh, I guess so. Well, I mean, when they raise it up, they would see that there's a giant hole in it or something and be like, huh, huh. we fucked up. And also, if it doesn't raise, I think, perfectly straight upwards, they would also be like, something went wrong here. Mm-hmm. Um, good to know, good to know. Quince, aren't you glad we trained today? I, I do not want to be here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, you <laughs> Why see... did you make him come, Noah? <laughs> I need to put people in danger to have fun. Um, the bell now slowly Sicko. descending into the dark waters. You see underneath... Slurping up inside is the little pied octopus. The man of the hour. The man of the hour. He (laughs) attaches himself to the inside of it with his suckers. I would like for Stilton to be suctioned to my head throughout the song. (laughs) You point at your head like hat time. Come on, hat time. His eight tentacles (laughs) climbing up your body and sopping onto your head. It tickles. In another campaign, it looks like a mind flare is eating you. But in this one, it's just your cute cow-colored octopus. You descend deeper. You look for a moment, you're just like looking at your companions as they kind of nervously almost hold their breath mm-hmm. instinctively. Um, and then you look down and you see below you just pure darkness. No. Just absolute depth. <laughs> oh my god, I'm Anyone so with the fear of the, of the ocean, ocean right now, I apologize. You feel <laughs> just, it's like your stomach almost bottoms out. You quickly look up away from oh. the ocean. Um, Whew, I've only been swimming like um, off the docks, <laughs> off really. The docks, really. Done, uh, not really done a lot of deep sea diving, Captain. This is our first time for everything. Me neither. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> the, the bell continues deeper and deeper. <laughs> um, until finally it kind of stops in place. The rope above it gone taut. Captain Six looks at you both. The plateau should just be literally, if we go out of here, it should be not far, I guess, east of us. So just follow my lead. I will message you if for talking. So if you need anything, just give me a nod and I'll know you want to talk. You probably can talk underwater, but it's going to be very garbled. So, you know, let's try and stick to the messages. All right. Um, So she looks at you and slides off and submerges onto the water. Um, You see her treading underneath. She looks up and nods. I push Quince. Whoa! (laughs) Splashes in and begins to sink. But then he quickly, you know, scrambles and finds his... um, air quotes footing inside the ocean I guess I do cannonball and you (laughs) splash in still and barely clinging to your head as you sink into the ocean the chilly sea below you the salt stinging a little bit at your eyes you find yourself not far from what looks to be a sort of stone plateau that has risen from the darkness Um, thanks to your dark vision it is a deep sea night vision basically you see that they're like leading up to this plateau there are some underwater hills kind of rising from the Mm -hmm. darkness these sand covered things with some algae and some kelp floating from them you look further again looking at this plateau you see it is blanketed in a full kelp forest Captain Styx her golden eyes almost glowing in the water treads about 15 feet away from you pointing over there twisting the ring it should be somewhere within that forest. We're going to approach from above. If we spot anything, then we'll just head down a diagonal, head down there. Sound good? Sounds good. Just give a nod to Quinn so he follows. I'm not going to be messaging him and you all the time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I jerked my head to Quince. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you follow after Captain Sticks, who begins to pump her arms and swim deeper towards this plateau. Quince is trailing a little bit, trying just like frantically scrambling. But you follow after Captain Sticks as she heads towards this plateau covered in kelp. And eventually you see Captain Sticks excitedly point down towards the kelp forest where you see a small break and what looks to be some sort of like clearing where you do just from this angle you can't see a lot but you do see some sort of wooden vessel down there um she twists her ring that's gotta be it baby let's do this hey captain Um, what do you think is what do you think is in it just you know 
important things, Zola. We'll find out when we get there. All I right. think. She kind of give me an insight check. Okay. I'm super insightful, so I love when you roll for insight. Nineteen. Nineteen. Plus zero, baby. She looks like she does kind of know. Okay. But it kind of strikes you that she would kind of get a little f- almost frustrated. Not, hmm. you know, like there's like a there's a tension that you sense there. Yeah. But you follow after her as she begins to pump her arms and swim. As you approach, you see through like pushing through the kelp, which again is like this like if anyone knows a kelp forest, they rise very high, and you see here that they're at least like sixty feet higher, kind mm-hmm. of almost full trees underneath the water here. And you kind of push your way through, eventually finding this massive galley that has been cracked in half. It is covered, it's lying on its side, basically, you know, like think about like the Titanic kind of Mm -hmm. tilted over and split in half. Um, You see algae and barnacles and other bottom feeders like starfish and urchins are crawling along its sides. You descend towards it and the surrounding seaweed, the sand rising into clouds as your feet touch down amongst the thick green kelp swaying back and forth in the tide. It's quiet. There's obviously the kind of sound of moving water sloshing around, Mm. um, some bubbling, but doesn't seem like there's anything around. Seems like kind of like a dead space. Oh, she twists the <laughs> copper wire ring and points at you. What's up? Um, we could send Stilton ahead to check out, see if we need anything. I bet his swim speed is probably faster than ours. I don't doubt that. He is. This is definitely his environment yeah. now. I'm going to head towards the main deck. If you want to send him inside the ship, that's the most obscure place. So if you want to okay. send him forward, that's great. Stilton, bud, you want to swim and just see if there are any evil sea monsters lurking in the ship? He just like <laughs> pops off of your head and begins to. Swim. I have to pull him off. Actually, it takes a while. <laughs> it takes a little bit. He gets a little stuck in your hair. He's yeah. <laughs> like, "Come on, come on!" Come on. Um, eventually, you do pull him off, um, and he does begin to swim towards the ship. Captain Sticks um, passes you her bag. When you head in, you know, gather anything you find interesting. Okay. Um, I'll meet you on the main deck. Also, speaking of hair, um, Zola undid her braid before she went in, and her hair is flowing majestically behind her. Beautiful. Just (laughs) this big cloud of Uh red hair. You watch as Captain Sticks swims over the ship and towards the main deck. Mm -hmm. You are sending Stilton in? Yes. I think not, like, um, fully into the ship, but maybe just in in a couple feet to, like, look around and see if maybe if what the layout is in there if okay. he sees anything moving. Okay. Um, and you are, again, like, you're basically standing, looking at the hull of the ship because yeah. it's on its side. So you would be sending him, the first thing he would go into is the hull Perfect. of the ship. So he swims over to the side of the ship, pumping with his little tentacles. Um, and I'll, um, you know, warg into him. You close your eyes and he Quince, opens watch his... watch my back. <laughs> <laughs> I give him a thumbs up. Thumbs up and then you... Your eyes roll back in your head and he's like... <laughs> and begins to like grabs you, but you look back at Stilton and like give a little little the tip of the hat with your tentacle. Heading inside the cracked open hull, Stilton finds himself inside the shipwreck, algae and plant life covering most of the wood around you. Um, ahead, the crack continues, obviously revealing the future floors. But here, it seems like a lot of what was here has disintegrated or has been kind of destroyed by the years of tide and sea creatures that have, you know, made their way through here. There are some, like, soaked barrels and shattered crates. There, there's some, like, barnacles growing here and there. Like, he swims around a little bit, looking around, and then he <gasps> spots several bodies um oh. just just three 
um, unlucky sailors, it looks like, who didn't make it off the ship in time. Um, they have shriveled, soggy, skeletal faces staring eyelessly forward. Um, casualties of Captain Sticks. Huh? Casualties of Captain Sticks. Green and brown algae are covering most of their like skeletal bodies. Um, they don't seem to have any weapons. They seem to be inert, collapsed, dead. Other than that, you see that there are, of course, like a few other rooms in here, but they seem doors are cracked open. Again, all of them horizontal, so they're kind of yeah, falling it's open. On its side. Yeah. So, um, is there anything else you want to do? Um, no. I guess I'll pull. I'll pull Stilton back now that I kind of have an idea of the layout of the ship. All right. He, I don't want to send him too far into danger, my little, my little boy. Oh, my little boy. My small boy. My small tentacle boy. My, my baby boy. <laughs> my little baby boy. He swims back to you and nuzzles up and then <laughs> attaches to your head once again. Um, you get like a all clear within your head. <laughs> all right. I will um, then start. She, she wanted me to go inside the hull, right? Yeah. She was okay. like, feel free to search the ship for anything. All right. So Quince, Stilton, and I had head inside the hull um and i tell quince you know look around for stuff and i'll i'll be your bodyguard i'll i'll watch your back and i'll you know you watch mine <laughs> oh right I, yeah I, it's all bubbles i motion all of that to him yeah, <laughs> we're picking up some rudimentary sign language yeah yeah he, he nods getting the gist of it and begins searching out why don't you give me you can give me perception or investigation depending on how thoroughly you're looking versus like giving a glance over kind of thing so I'll do perception. Right. Two. It was Two. so close to natural 20. So close. We're truly so close. Just a zero away. It's funny how those numbers are um, next to each other. Next to each other, it's funny how the not two, the same. Two is so close to the 20. It it's doesn't seem right. What a little tease. <laughs> um, you scan over. The bodies are for sure long gone. You know, de- Unlike the orc skeletons, which, by the way, it seemed... They seemed like they must have been, like, magically enchanted because they clearly – they had been in the water and they weren't, like, decayed further than normal skeletons. These look brittle and the plant matter coating them and waters around them must have taken their toll. So nothing there. You you kind of glance – Quince looks in the rooms, comes out, shrugs, kind of is like – all right, I don't trust Quince. I, I go in there and I look. I don't, okay, I don't okay trust give me an Quince's investigation roles. check as you begin to search through like the debris that all is right. down here. Everything all just toppled and piled on itself. Oh, shit, twelve. Twelve. Um, with a twelve, you find like a smattering of coin here and there. Hmm. You know, it, and not concentrated, not like oh here's a yeah. broken chest, but like literally twenty gold. 13 I'm, silver. I'm picking them up. Copper. You're, anything ca- counts. Uh, oh, I'm picking it, them up. Tossing it in the 20, bag. 20 gold. There's more than ever. Out of my whole Holy life. Holy shit. That's a lot of money. That's double your income right now. <laughs> 10 gold pieces since I left. Um, you, you scavenged that. Of course, Quince missed it because he's not very observant, but you managed uh-huh. to find it even with such a low roll. But that's it. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of treasure here, uh, oddly. All right, um, maybe I'm just kind of, um, since I don't see any treasure, I would like to just kind of look around. Like, Zola's curious about, like, Captain Sticks's other adventures and stuff. Like, Zola's just kind of looking around to see, like, oh, what happens when a ship goes down? Like, hmm. I wonder if those other people, like, got away or... Well, um, if you're, like, looking at the other decks, you're welcome to, like, do another check. But if not, just looking around, you see that... 
This ship seems to be a typical merchant ship. You see that the sailors are not wearing any sort of um, Aurelian or otherwise colors, although mm -hmm. based on the timeline, it would probably be Imperial ships mm -hmm. if they were, you know, Imperial sailors, rather, if they were um, affiliated with them. Mm -hmm. You glance around. It seems like this ship is not very well, at least at this level. You don't see, like, cannonballs. You don't see a lot of, like, mm -hmm. artillery. Not a lot of... Uh, ways to defend itself at least here maybe hmm. on the main deck but nothing stored interesting all right well seems like it was probably an easy fight <laughs> seems like it um so if you're swimming up to the lower deck you can make another yeah check. i'll swim up um, okay. out, of, out of the hole yeah you doesn't you seem like anything good fought, you swim up through the crack onto this turned over world all the remaining storage here again have fallen to the port side facing the sand um you see some sand has like obviously come in through the broken portholes um, you find only one body here, um, but make it either an investigation or perception to try and see anything else. Like an investigation. Ugh, six. Six. And I have plus two. I'm just rolling like dog shit. Hey, you know, maybe, who knows? Maybe it wasn't the most important roll. You skim the oh, area. Oh, well, can Stone give me the help action? Yeah, can he look around? Yeah, can give you the help action. Since he's locked. He can give you the help, help action on any of these. All right, that's a 15. 15. You find a few more coin. Again, like some of them are on this body that you like mm -hmm. kind of like look through and you see like there's a little coin pouch there. You find total 11 more gold, so eight like, silver, what six copper. come to? <laughs> um, you're like pouring, like putting this again in the bag of that she had given uh -huh. you. Again, weirdly not a lot here. A, a lot of these supplies look like they are so just like decayed beyond repair. Old, yeah, it, wet. Based on that, you do see, like, some fabrics and stuff, but it seems like mostly this was, like, a vessel containing p perhaps, like, food or something. Like, stuff that's gone by Why now. Why would Captain Sticks have sunk this, like, ship if it's, if it's just, like, cloth and shit? I'm so confused. I'm going to try and find her. Okay. You swim through the crack once more onto the main deck, which, again, vertical, parallel, uh, mm -hmm. perpendicular to the ground. You see... There are these long, shattered masts that have just fallen into the mm -hmm. kelp forest beyond this little sand clearing. There are algae-coated rags that must have once been the sails of this ship, almost completely destroyed at this point. You look, there are some heavy indents from, like, cannon fire and, like, ballista bolts. Like, lots of heavy damage to the external part of this ship, specifically the deck. Looking through, you see that there are, like two quarters you remember on the feral free there is the cook's quarters and the captain's quarters up here uh it looks like the cook's quarters door swung open and inside there is like tools and stuff all mm -hmm. like shattered on the ground nothing too interesting you see another skeleton that looks like it's like been shattered mm -hmm. there from a cannonball that sits in its rib cage and then you see some movement behind the captain's quarters where you could assume perhaps like captain yeah. six went in there. yeah i swim into the captain's quarters and i motion to quince to watch the door he does like the eye thing and a thumbs up <laughs> i motion to still in to protect quince <laughs> slurps off of your head and goes and slurps onto his head <laughs> as he panics um you push open the door slowly it kind of folds downward since it's horizontal mm -hmm. And inside, you see Captain Sticks is like rummaging through a pile of broken furniture lying upon the wood and sand of this blasted hull. The black wall, now ceiling, has a few paintings on it, landscapes of what look to be like temperate islands. Um, hmm. 
as you enter, uh, you see she slams her fists. Obviously, you can't really hear it that mm-hmm. much because you're underwater. But you hear her, like, yell, like, It's not here! Frustrated. She turns. Um, her eyes widen. You see there's, like, a confused, hurt look on her face. Um, she twists the copper wire ring on her finger once more. What is it? Captain, this is just, like, a merchant merchant ship. Can you tell me what we're looking for and I might actually be able to help you? It's clearly not going to be, like, gold on here. So if you just tell me what you're looking for, I can actually be of some use. She... We both know Quince is useless. <laughs> she smiles despite, like, the um, pained look on her face. I'm just looking for um, a lockbox. Mm. What a bloody waste. Didn't find... Did you find anything else? No, but I mean, maybe you want to take a look where I did because it was pretty... I mean, I was watching Quince's back, too, you know. Honestly, I needed to bring him along because there wa- I needed a third person on this probably, but I wish that someone else had volunteered. Yeah. This was... I don't think he volunteered. What? What do you mean? <laughs> um, as you're kind of standing, float standing in this like dingy cabin, you catch a glimpse of something out of the corner of your eye. Um, you turn back towards where you see Quince and still in and the kelp forest surrounding them. Give me a perception check. Okay. Nat one. Love it. <laughs> no Sultans with Quince. You are, you know, you're in the throes of this conversation. You're mm. like, he. I don't think he volunteered. She's like, what are you talking about? He definitely volunteered. <laughs> I saw him like he was standing right next to you, looking out at me, kind of. I think uh, he was oh, just frozen. He did have like a blank stare on his mm-hmm. face. Yeah, like a deer in headlights. Mm. Um, or in lamplights. <laughs> it's about that moment that you hear like... <laughs> from behind you you whip around and you see bursting from the kelp six of these horrid pale purple scaled fishmen these like hybrids with piranha like heads and wild bulging yellow eyes they wear like these dark rags and they swim quickly towards you their dagger toothed maws gurgling nets and short spears made out of sharpened bone raised you see that they've already thrown a net over Stilton and over no. um, Quince and he's like trying to end Stilton you see he's like trying to like you know put his little tentacles and pull himself out the saddest scene in Blue Planet the worst scene with the poachers um they you see that they're like pulling him back towards the kelp as these four others we can't lose these four others <laughs> they rush for you uh, right before they try and stab into you with these bone spears you see branded upon its forehead a smiley face with a single black eye the exact same one you saw tattooed on the wrists of the grimlocks below Paddlewick. and that is where we will end our episode today what oh, that's right let me show Let you a picture of these guys fishmen. let me show you a picture they're so ridiculous you'll find out next episode who they are but for anyone listening um they are very funny looking fishmen i'm sure some of you who know dnd lore will know exactly what they are for anyone else tune in next time i guess so thank you so much for listening to this episode of Try Not to Die. Thank you. Thank you particularly to our patrons. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try and get it. Okay. Andrew, John, Emily, Lucy, Nicole, Mackenzie. There's one more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Do you know it? I actually think there might be two more. No. 
Because what? don't didn't we get new patrons? I know we got one more. Oh my god! By the way, just to take a little break from that announcement. Thank you so much again for being a patron of us. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. Hold on, I'm going. I'm I, going. I'm going. They're going real fast. I promise. Also, we will have that sweet, sweet bonus content for you. For any of you listening who are like, "Wow, they are really stalling here." Okay, from the top, are you ready? <laughs> Andrew. John, Emily, Lucy, Mackenzie, Nicole, and Paige. Paige. Thank you so much to you. Again, apologies Paige, for not having you memorized. We appreciate you. I'm going to write it down next time, I swear. I love you all so much. Thank you for being our patrons. And thank you all for listening to this episode of Try Not to Die. Tune in next week to see what happens with these crazy fishmen. Glub, glub. Try not to die.